0: Welcome back to the Don't Mom Alone podcast. I am your host and fellow traveler, Heather McFadden. And this is the place where I connect you with people and resources to remind you that you are not alone. In this special bonus episode, we are focusing in on not being alone in our shame. And the gal who's going to help guide us through that is the amazing Sheila Walsh. She has been on the show before. Make sure you check out her episodes. She's also an author, speaker, TV host, musician, and she's written a great book called It's Okay Not to Be Okay. In this episode, you will notice that it is a special version of a video chat we recorded months ago with our Not Alone community. So there are questions that we answer from those community members. And my amazing producer, Rachel, has taken a 30-minute conversation and shortened it to 15 minutes. If you want to hear the entire conversation, you can go over to DontMomAlone.com forward slash join and check out how to sign up for our Not Alone community. So you can join us for future chats and you get access to all of the videos that we've already recorded. Ones with my mentor, Leslie Johnson last week's episode with Kay Wyma and in January, my conversation that I recorded with Kat Lee. But back to shame. you know, this podcast used to be called the God-Centered Bomb Podcast, and it is still a desire of my heart to help you all be centered on the truth of who God says you are so that you can move forward in parenting, not from a place of shame, but from a place of freedom. And I love how Sheila guides us in the truth of God's word. She vulnerably shares her story of struggling in her relationship with her dad, not believing that a heavenly father could love her just as she is and hiding under the mask of perfectionism until she could hide no longer. Always love her vulnerability, her honesty, and pointing us back to truth. So let's get right to it. Here we go. Welcome, okay, everyone that's here. Let's see, we've got uh, all the people. So we have Sheila Walsh. Welcome for our "Not Alone on Shame." Thank you for being willing to join us today. Oh, it's fun. I'd love to do it. Thank you so much for inviting me. Okay, so you have a new book out. It's okay not
1: to be okay. Moving forward, one day at a time.
0: So where does it come from i mean i've heard some of your story but share some of the gals listening share with them where does that come
1: from over the years i've shared like my struggle with depression i've talked about being hospitalized for Mm -hmm. clinical depression i've talked about the shame that was kind of implicit in any kind of mental illness so i've talked about that to let people know they're not alone Mm -hmm. in one of my books i even talked about struggling with suicidal thoughts you know, my father committed suicide when I was five. Mm-hmm. But I found that I was starting to get so many women who would write and say, well, what now? You know, thank you for letting me know I'm not alone, but <laughs> yeah. now I, I feel stuck. So I yeah. thought I want to write a book like different than anything I've written before. Simply like eight steps of the things that God has taught me to move forward in my relationship with him.
0: So we know we're not alone and the shame, the depression, the suicidal thoughts. Where do we go from there?
1: Step one is simply this, dare to have an unedited, gut level conversation with God. He already knows everything. But sometimes we just, we feel like when we talk to God, we should, there's certain words we should use or a certain kind of attitude. But if you read through, particularly the Old Testament, the people that God commended most and said were closest to his heart were those who just let it all out. Mm -hmm. And I found in my own life to the level that we're willing to be honest with God, is an indication of how much we actually trust him.
0: What point in your story did you gain the ability to trust God? Or what did you have to work through to begin to trust him?
1: A lot. My father's suicide when I was five was very complicated. His He had a brain injury and he tried to kill me before he killed himself. So I grew up with this overwhelming sense of there's something wrong with me. You know, my dad must have seen something in me that was wrong. So when I gave my life to Christ when I was 11, and I remember being told, Not only do you have Jesus as your savior and your Lord, but you have a heavenly father. And I remember at 11 thinking, I've got one more chance to get it right. Whatever my dad saw in me, my heavenly father's never gonna see. So I'm gonna be the perfect Christian if it kills me, which worked until it didn't work anymore. I mean, I went to seminary in London. I worked with Youth for Christ. Then I worked with Billy Graham and his crusades. And then for five years, I worked as the co-host of the 700 Club. But then one day on live television, I just, Fell apart. Instead of answering my question, my guest turned the tables and just very kindly just said, Sheila, how are you doing? And Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting it. And I didn't have time to pull up my wall. So I went from being co host of the 700 Club in the morning. And by that evening, I was in the locked ward of a psychiatric hospital, about the same age as my dad.
0: And through that journey of getting help and treatment, which I'm always talking on the show about, there's no shame in that, right? We would almost say, yeah.
1: Yeah, a lot of people still, and I think sometimes we have to do a a lot as the church to educate people on the reality of mental illness that, you know, it's shocking. Lifeway stores did a research project um, on the number of pastors who struggle with depression but feel Mm -hmm. like they can't get help. Now, if that's true of the man on the pulpit, how true do you think it's at the congregation?
0: If he doesn't show us first, right? Like as a pastor. So he's getting help. That would be helpful,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, and it just gives a message that it's uh, it's okay, you know, that mm. you wouldn't say to somebody who wears glasses, you know, where's your faith? You would say to them, here's your glasses. So yeah. I think it's the same if you struggle with mental illness. There's no shame in getting help. It's not like street drugs that make you crazy. It's like the chemicals your brain needs to be able to function as the man or woman that God has created you to be.
0: Yeah what was the most helpful thing in trusting God again, that he loves you unconditionally, that it's okay not to be okay?
1: I think I was hospitalized for a month and at first it was devastating. I mean, it was just, I really thought, in fact, I hoped I would die. I actually prayed and asked God if he would take my life because I I thought, I I don't know how to do this journey. I know how to do the trying to be perfect thing, but if that's gone, I don't know what else to do. And it was toward the end of my time, My doctor said, I'd like you to take a trip outside the hospital. You know, it doesn't have to be, you can go to a mall or a movie. And I said, No, I would just, I'd like to go to church. I don't care which denomination, just a Bible believing church. And I sat in the very back row. And most of the service, just, I couldn't even feel anything. I literally felt lost. But at the end of the service, the pastor said, Some of you in here feel as if you're dead inside. Mm -hmm. And he said, I want you to know that Jesus is here. And you don't have to get yourself out of that hole. You simply have to call on his name and he will reach in and grab hold of you. And I didn't know what the traditions of this church were, but I literally, I ran to the front and I lay face down in front of the cross. Mm -hmm. And it was the words of a hymn that my grandmother used to sing to me when I was a child. Rock of ages, cleft for me, let me hide myself in thee. But it was these two lines, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. And I finally got it, I'm not the good news, Jesus is. It's never been about me getting it right. It's about Christ who has made us right. It's quite a relief.
0: It is a relief. And I think so often we might even have been told that by someone. Like, you don't have to get it right. It's Christ's righteousness and not your own. And then there's this head-to-heart space, and it's not clicking, you know? It's not getting in there for so many people. Do you feel like God's going to make a way to get that truth to us?
1: Yeah, I think that that's the mercy of God. Mercy is a, mm-hmm. it's a short word, but it's, it weighs so much. You know jesus said i've come to give you life not survival and i think if we're honest so many of us are just kind of getting through one more day and collapsing Mm -hmm. into bed at night and thinking you know tomorrow's another one and Mm -hmm. to me the breaking of my life like when everything shook and fell when the whole house Mm -hmm. came down on me it's one of the greatest things that ever happened because i thought it doesn't matter if i never write another book if another sing another song if i never stand on another platform i finally get it who i am i'm not what happened to me? I'm a child of God. And that changes everything.
0: It's really powerful. I'm not what happened to me, that identity. I was just reading in a book talking about the enemy does all he can to make us forget who we are.
1: Well, a lot of women and not just women, but men wear labels of I'm a single mom, I'm divorced, I'm overweight, um, whatever. And so often that's what we, that's why I think it's so important to change the way we think. You know, we can change our external behavior, but unless our internal dialogue is changed, it won't last.
0: That's good. Okay. Kelly has another great question. Have you found any resources that were especially helpful to you when you were dealing with grief or shame or identity? What have been some resources that have helped you along your way?
1: There's a great book by a guy called Lewis Smeets, S-M-E-D-E-S, called Shame and Grace. Probably one of the okay. best books I've, I've ever read that helped me so much. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Dan Allender is a great, he's a Christian psychologist. He's written some phenomenal, phenomenal things. And then actually, honestly, in one of my books it's called, it's way back, it's called Love Back to Life. There's a whole chapter on everything. While I was in the psych hospital, they taught me about what does the shame profile look like? Because at first when my therapist said to me, do you feel as if you're covered in shame? I said, I honestly don't even know what you're talking about. And then he Mm. outlined the shame profile do you do this? Do you do that? Do you do that? And I was like, oh, well, yeah, absolutely.
0: What are some of those things?
1: Um, where you walk into a room and you you feel the temper, you know what's going on in everybody else's life, but not your own. Um, mm-hmm. It's like you feel you feel responsible for everyone else. You find mm-hmm. it impossible to say no because you think that somehow that will disqualify you as a person. I mean, there's the whole list, and honestly, I wrote that book like 20 years ago. I can't remember them all. <laughs> but there's just yeah. there's a yeah. weight to everything. Nothing feels like it's like you're there for everybody, but you kind of resent it because it's not freely given. You feel like you have to give it. Yeah.
0: And because it's in the doing and the acceptance that you're going to be okay.
1: Yeah. Is that what it is? Well, it's, it's realizing that when Christ died on the cross, we can read it in the Old Testament and the New Testament. He who knew no shame became shame for us because to those who watched the crucifixion, there was nothing more shameful, mm-hmm. because in Deuteronomy, it says, cursed is he who is hung on a tree. So to everyone who looked at the crucifixion, they thought, wow, there's a guy that's cursed by God. Mm-hmm. So the whole point is that Christ voluntarily took the curse on himself so that we could be free of shame. I mean, I have in my wallet, I've written down a little few things that helped me, Like, and it's not perhaps so much with shame, it's more when I feel like a darkness, if I feel like I'm struggling with depression again. You know, I've got it written down, I'm a child of God this too will pass. God is for me. That I think sometimes to find ways, like, well, let me find this one thing. If When Ephesians 6, what it says, this is Ephesians 6, 7, where it says, mm-hmm. take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, usually when a sword in the New Testament, we tend to think of big sword, but the word that's used in the Greek here is small, is what you would use for a dagger. And the word that's used for the word of God, it's not capitalized. It's a small W. Mm-hmm. And if you translate that, if you hear the word of God, that the Greek word is logos, and that means the whole of scripture. But here the word is used is rhema. And what that means is the sayings of God. So it's a small dagger that we use, and we find that the sayings, the scriptures that particularly help us. Like if you struggle with fear, then Psalm 27, verse 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? You find these little sayings of God and you keep them tucked in, and they're your little daggers when the enemy comes against you. And he means he's close. Right. A dagger is a close enemy, someone who knows what gets to you. Absolutely, and that's but that tends to be how he attacks. He whispers, yeah. um, he reminds mm. us of who, of who we used to be as opposed to who we are. That's so good. Uh, Hillary Barr wants
0: to know, has shame always surfaced as depression for you, or are there other areas you've noticed that same shame coming up and it has a different mask?
1: Yeah, that, that's a good question, Hillary. because absolutely it has. i very in, involved with um, a conference called Color Conference. It's Hillsong from Australia's mm. Women's Conference. and so I've spoken at the one in Sydney and South Africa, and then I was at the one in London. And I'm great when I'm doing the role that I know I'm supposed to be doing. But at the end of the conference, they were having an after party at a nice couple who had a big house in London. They're having an after party there. And so all the Hillsong girls and all their guests Um, We're getting into the cute party clothes and going. And I voted myself out. I went back to the hotel and I had to sit. I mean, I sat there in my room crying. I was like, Lord, what was that about? And it was about because I still feel like I don't measure up, like I'm not cute enough. I'm not pretty enough. I don't have the right clothes. And it was like I was so grateful to the Lord for helping me see that, that those things still are there I mean it took me back to when I was 12 years old in Scotland and there's a dance There's primary school until you're 12 and then you go to secondary school and there's a final dance when you're 12 and all the girls that year were wearing little tight dresses and my mom she bought me a dress and it was all wrong but I didn't want because she was a widow I didn't want to say to her I'm not going to go so I put this blue flowery dress on and I hid in the field behind the school till the dance was over and I could hear all the girls laughing as they were going in and I sat there feeling shame, but I came home at the end and told my mom I had a great time. And so there's still a, a little bit of an insecurity in me of, after my father's suicide, we lost our home, we lost our car. We were the only kids that got free school meals and free school clothes. Mm-hmm. So there was still some residual shame left from feeling like I'll never quite fit in. And I know now, I could have gone to party in a shrimp outfit and nobody would have cared. It wasn't about anybody else. It was about how I saw myself. So being able to take that to the lord and surrendering that was a real breakthrough for me
0: i think we have that middle school story that memory from childhood and it holds us captive i mean i've prayed with countless women and they can they can pull it up you know if there's a dominant emotion that they feel whether it's anxiety or depression or shame and we can say lord show us a time when that started and it's like as vivid as you described and claiming, what did I believe when that happened? What did I start? What did I invite in to be the new tape that I play? And what's the truth? And can kind of confessing that I have been believing that for so long, it doesn't line up with you. Jesus, where were you? Well, and the truth is he was right there. He was he right there. Right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is what happened. Every time I pray with someone, and Jesus shows up and repaints the picture, and it can lose its power. Just for anyone who's watching, who's like, "Yeah, I have those memories too," and I don't know what to do with that. That you can have it repainted, and and Jesus is so sweet. He shows up, and it's compassion, and it's love, and it's tenderness. And
1: the word that came to me was freedom, and I mm-hmm. want that for every girl, for every girl who who follows Jesus but carries heavy burdens. You know, because it's so interesting. I was reading. Um, in Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 11, you know, we know those that last two verses where Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. But this part here, for my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. I have so many different commentaries, and, but I have a, a book that basically looks at the what would people who were listening to Jesus on that day hear. What did that mean to them? And if a Jewish person heard that message, they were familiar with yoke because every Jew woke up every morning under what was called the yoke of God's law, 613 rules they had to keep. And so Jesus said, no, my yoke's easy and my burden is light. It was a game changer. I know that went by quickly. When I re-listened to it, I was like, oh
0: man, that was fast. There Are more things that we talked about that, like I said, are available if you go to don'tmomalone.com forward slash join and join our not alone community. You can have access to the rest of that conversation and other conversations I've had. I wanted to keep this one short though. During this season, when we're just rushing around and our to do lists are long, I know you don't have tons of time to listen to a 45 minute conversation, but you need the truth. Like Sheila said, those daggers, you need to have them ready, you need to write them down. I know on the Instagram, the Instagram, I will have those centering truths. And that's why we need to have those daggers ready to fight an enemy who whispers and tries to keep us from believing the truth of who we are. I hope that over this break, I'm going to be taking a break and I hope you are taking a break too from um all the crazy. I hope in that time that if there is something that came up during what Sheila talked about or being with your family, different emotions are coming out of you that you're not used to, that you can spend some time just in quiet and stillness and think through kind of what I mentioned. If there's a strong emotion of anxiety or fear or shame or anger, asking God, where is this coming from? And if any memory comes up to just ask Him, what did I believe when that happened? And confessing that and then inviting Jesus in. And you will see that every time Jesus, because He's outside of time, He was there and He always shows up and He's always with us. And He can take away the power of whatever was planted all those years ago. I wanna help you walk in the freedom of that. And so spend some time, some quiet, whether it's waking up before all those kids wake up or sitting by a Christmas tree when it's quiet at night, whatever you need to do just to get away with Jesus and let him, let him do the work to reframe what you've been believing about who he is and how he sees you. Let him free you because Jesus went on that cross to set you free from shame, not for you to carry it anymore. And his burden is light. Uh, So I want you to walk Into 2019, a little lighter than you did last year. Thank you all for listening in 2018. You all have been the best, best listeners, especially as I have rebranded. Oh my goodness, what a year of just celebrating who God is and what He's done with this show. I will be back in January on the 7th. I have a great interview with Priscilla Schreier that will be ready for you. And I just, I want you to be with your people and enjoy this time. Uh, If you are needing some encouragement while you're away with family or you're wrapping presents and you do have more time to listen, or you're on a road trip, don't forget, you can always go to DontMomAlone.com and click on that little button that says podcast, and you can type in any topic. And because we have over 250, I'm sure you can find something that will match what you are needing to hear from God about. I just, I thank you for listening. I'm going to pray over you actually. Dear Lord, I thank you for the woman who is listening or the man who is listening. I pray that you will make yourself known to them through a person, through a word, through a moment over this holiday season or whenever they're listening, God, I thank you that because of the internet, they have access to this at any time. I pray Lord for them to be open to the truth of who you are to allow you to supernaturally heal what is broken and to walk them into further freedom so that they can do the things that you've set out for them to do, God. In your precious son's name, amen. All right, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the things, adios. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Don't Mom Alone podcast. If you're wanting to connect with more people and more resources to help remind you that you're not alone, head over to don'tmomalone.com. That's also where you'll find the show notes with any links mentioned by our guests. Most importantly, I want you to know the good news, the great news that you're not alone because God has promised to always be with you. With faith in Jesus Christ, the one who died for you and rose again, he said when he left, he was gonna leave a helper, a comforter to be with us, God in us. Moms, that is super power. So while you're washing dishes at your kitchen sink, while you're driving to and from work,